What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to the Maps Step Back Podcast. Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, it get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, it get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Luka with the step back three. Oh, yeah! Boy, Chris Stabs, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just want to ring, want to fill the gap on your team head. I ain't talking heads, dang, go relax, still at a champ. Defense still coming with the Gallimax flow, the man's the best on the floor. How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and Dallas basketball on SI colleague, Matt Galatson. Uh, the Mavs... They're, they're kind of in a little bit of a, well, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a funk because they've they've been playing 500 basketball uh, for the last 30 games. They're 15 and 15, but, I mean, it's not great. It's, it's inconsistent, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, the injuries they've had to deal with, but... I mean, I I don't know. They that Washington game was one of the most frustrating games I've watched in a while. It kind of <laughs> you kind of Matt. I don't, I'll let you talk on it a little bit, but in my opinion, my personal opinion, that was probably the most frustrating loss since uh, the New York losses earlier in the season. What about what? What do you think? <laughs> I agree. Like um, even the Phoenix loss, like last week or two weeks, however long ago that was, the uh, where they lost by thirty, nearly thirty points to Phoenix. Even that one, <laughs> that was only a few days ago. <laughs> yeah, and it was on the it was on the second night of a back to back, and they had just you know won a okay. tough game against OKC, but right. But I mean, still that that Washington loss was just. Just in Phoenix has been playing well lately. They just beat the brakes off of the off of the Rockets. Yeah, they blew out so the Rockets too. That made me feel a little bit better about that one. But last night the defense was just horrendous. It was non-existent, is what um, it was. There, there was no defense. It's probably, it's I don't know about for sure, but it's arguably their worst defensive game well, uh, of the year so let, far. Let me, let me. And it's only well, it's only because Washington, Washington is has some good offensive players. Yeah. But it's only because they're the Wizards and not like the Lakers. Yeah. That they didn't score like 150 points. Yeah. And look, let me let me backtrack a little bit. There were some very impressive individual defensive plays from. KP and and Dorian Finney-Smith in that game. But everybody else, it was non-existent. <laughs> yeah, there's five players on the floor, not two. Yeah. So, that I mean, they, they had a couple of nice plays, but, you know, and it goes back to, I hate to bring this up so early in the podcast, but 
it goes back to why I was so upset at the trade deadline when they didn't do anything to help their, you know, help defensively. You know, they, they sat back and um, decided not to do anything when they obviously have major holes defensively on the, on the perimeter. And it just so happened that the first game after the trade deadline really exposed that. Well, and I mean, look, I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of people saying that that report that came out saying that they thought uh, the Mavs thought they were going to get Danny Green if Marcus Morris had been traded to the Lakers instead of the Clippers. A lot of people say that's just the Mavs saving face. But, I mean, what if that's just how much they like the idea of adding Danny Green? Because – in free agency, it was the same thing. It's like you had all these other opportunities, all these different options you could have explored, but they basically just sat out, you know, from participating in any of those other opportunities to wait on Danny Green, and they ended up, you know, having to just put together what they could at the last second. And it was it was kind of the same thing at the trade deadline. If If that's true, you know, they thought they had buy it. they you know report the report was that the Mavs thought they had a deal in place to land Danny Green uh if the Lakers traded for Marcus Morris because the Knicks wouldn't want Danny Green's uh contract that has two more years on it after this year. So I know you don't buy it, but I mean given how they treated Danny Green in free agency, it re- I mean it kind of makes sense to me. It's like you had instead of being aggressive towards some of these other, you know, potential trade opportunities, they just chose to wait it out and see what happened with Marcus Morris. And looky there, he <laughs> he went to the Clippers, and it ended up the same way uh, as it did in free agency. But on the flip, well, it's kind of like it's kind of like talking to a girl. If you wait and wait and wait to talk to her then somebody else is going to come in and swoop in and get her. And that's happened twice with the same quote-unquote girl for the Mavericks. Yeah. Well, on the flip side of that, on the flip side of that, I don't think, I didn't think the Mavs necessarily had to do anything because I think when they're, and I've said this so many times, I've tweeted it, uh, we've talked about it, you know, just not recording, just in our, you know, or text and whatnot, but I'll say it again. The last time the Mavs were 100% healthy in this season for an extended period of time, they ripped off 10 wins in 11 games. And, I mean, it, they played some really good teams during that span too. So, I mean, when they're healthy, they're really good. Yes, I would have loved for them to, you know, go out and add somebody like uh, – like Robert Covington, or you know, find a way to get Bogdan Bogdanovich, which, as we found out, the Kings made a move to where they can pretty much re-sign him for any price this summer. So that was <laughs> that that was a losing scenario from the beginning, as it turns out, because they want to keep him, and uh, you know, Buddy Hield might be the the. What am I trying to say? He might be the odd one that out. ends up, yeah, he might be the odd man out and be the one that ends up being traded around the draft or something. But, yeah, I wanted the Mavs to, you know, make an upgrade 
now to help their depth, to help them, you know, survive some of these injury hiccups the rest of the season and help them in the playoffs. But, I mean, if they can just tread water until the the uh, All-Star break, get a long time off, and then come back completely healthy after that, I think they'll be fine. I mean, they just, they've got to, they've had some just terrible luck with injuries, and I think they'll be fine the rest of the season. I think they could still make some noise in the playoffs if healthy. So, yeah, okay, I'm disappointed. Here's, here's my counterpoint. I'm disappointed, but it's okay. Here's my counterpoint to that. When is the last time, or what is any NBA team right now that is 100% healthy? What is any NBA team in the second half of the season? In the past five or ten years, it's been 100% healthy. There isn't one. There isn't one, so but you, here, my counter, you need, my counter to your counterpoint is Luka. I mean, that's the difference. It doesn't matter. It, it, you still need depth. You still need to be able to survive if, for whatever reason, Luka steps on another foot. Yeah, but I mean... Or you if can, KP we can't, has more knee soreness. We can't all It's not be necessarily about... Right, but it's not necessarily, and this is what like I think was misunderstood about what I said on Twitter the other day about Mavericks not being as aggressive as the Cavaliers. I meant that to say like I, I don't, I didn't want them to go get Andre Drummond. I didn't want the Mavericks to go out and like risk their entire season on some big Rondo type move. I wanted them to go get a piece that could add to the depth and fix some of their holes that have been killing him in these last few games without Luka. They don't have enough players who can create their own shot. They don't have enough players who can defend on the perimeter. Justin Jackson has been kind of a disaster. Jalen Brunson has been kind of a disaster, although he's not been as bad. But it, you just you needed to go out and get something that could help, you know, put even just a band-aid over this stuff, like Alec Burks sure. or Glenn Robinson, I mean, guys that could guys that could shoot and defend a little bit, instead of you know what like you're throwing Courtney Lee and Justin Jackson and and you know Antonius Cleveland at out, out on the floor right now just because Luke is injured. Like that's 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 not going to get it done. And it's is as important as like I get that they're going to make the playoffs and that's great, but that doesn't mean that like them going 500 the rest of the way is good enough because I don't want to get matched up with the Clippers in the first round. I don't want to get matched up with the Nuggets in the first round. I want like I want the Rockets or the Jazz. I want better playoff seating so that I'm not stuck up against the best team in the NBA. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get that. All I'm saying is you put the Clippers aside, you take the Lakers, and you know as good as AD is – you take LeBron James out for a handful of games, you know, say 12 games he misses, the Lakers are going to struggle. You take Damian Lillard, who, you know, the, the Trailblazers, they're, even though they they don't have a great record, they've been, you know, making a playoff push lately. Uh, they got screwed at the, <laughs> at the buzzer of that Utah game uh, last night, but, you know, it happens. You, know, you take Dame off of Portland – they're going to struggle, even though even if they do have some nice pieces around him. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of another example. It's like OKC. They've got a lot of nice pieces, but we saw it the last time they played the Mavs. CP3 didn't play, and it was a completely different team, uh, even though they have some talented players around him. So that's all I'm saying. I mean, I, I definitely agree, and I, I wanted them 
to upgrade too, just so they'd have a little bit more depth. But it doesn't matter who you add. If Luka is going to miss extended time, the Mavs are going to struggle at some point or another regardless. So that that's, I, that's I, all I'm saying. I, agree, I totally agree with that. And, you know, what I'm trying to get at is injuries happen. And it's it's even if it was just a, a minuscule move like Glenn Robinson until, you know, like trading a future second round pick for Glenn Robinson. Like, yeah, the Mavs might win last night if they have Glenn Robinson instead of Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson was minus 10 and 12 minutes or maybe it was minus 12 and 10 minutes. One or the other. I think it was the, like, the latter. OK, it but like that's. That's one of the reasons they lost the game. Like, there's a million other reasons, obviously, but, like, they lost by a point at the buzzer. Yeah. So, like, these losses that are accumulating now, when they've failed to make a even a tiny move to help, you know, well, and put some burn cream on, it's like, you know, that's that, that could be the difference in their playoff seating down the line. That's all I'm saying. Well, here, here's, and an, that's why I'm here's another thing, too. You know, the, the, the Sixers... Glenn Robinson III and Alec Burks, they're both expiring contracts, on expiring contracts. And Philadelphia gave up three future second-round picks, which isn't I, – I, I haven't looked to see the specifics on those picks, but, I mean, I'm sure it's not much. But, you know, the, they could have gotten in a bidding war to where maybe the Warriors – would have sent both of those guys to the Mavs if they wanted them, but they have to give up that uh, the Warriors' second-round pick. And I think it, at this point, you know, given the the bad luck with the injuries, yet they're still ten games over five hundred, and you know, I just don't think that they'd be willing to part with that pick for a couple of guys that can just walk this summer. And they'd make a difference, but they don't. They don't necessarily turn you into a title contender. I, th- I no, really but they think they help you through these games sure. about Luca. Sure, but I, all I'm saying is I, I'm going to wait until draft night to just see what they do uh, because I think a lot of people forget that the Mavs own their their own first round pick this year. They can't. They couldn't have traded it. Uh, but on draft night, you know, they can. They could, in theory, you know, they could draft a player for another team once he's drafted you know they could pair that player with that number 31 warrior second rounder and whatever else to make a deal so i think your potential for you know making a a bigger trade a bigger splash so to speak is going to come this summer around the trade deadline and that's one reason why i'm not i'm not too upset yeah i wanted them to to upgrade if they could but I mean, all the options that were realistically available for them, I mean, I, I don't think it would have moved the needle too much, not for this particular season. So, uh, we'll, you know, we'll see how it goes during the summer. I really do think that they'd be able to, you know, get in on something like, say, Buddy Heald not being happy in Sacramento. And that would be that would be great, but... I, I wasn't even, you know, necessarily thinking they would have had to use the Warriors pick to get one of those two guys. That was just one thing that crossed my mind because when I saw that Philadelphia gave up three second-rounders, I was like, I could see <laughs> as many second-rounders as the Mavs have, you know, traded, 
in the past what couple of years I, I just didn't see them giving up that many uh for two guys expiring so i mean maybe well, maybe if they hadn't made the trade you know if dwight powell never gets hurt and they don't have to spend one on uh Willie Colley Stein, maybe maybe it's a different story, but and that's another thing people haven't considered is how much you know Powell meant to this team and how even if you know say they're completely healthy, you've still got to adjust to life without him because your offense is going to be ran a little bit differently. So, I mean, it, it, no, it, yeah, it, it's I, a bunch of it's a bunch of things. It you know, and we'll see what they do in the buyout market. Um, there's you know, yeah. the, obviously the report from Tim McMahon and. I think it was mostly Tim McMahon more than it was Woj, but um, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to get into get into trouble there. But um, you know, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, I think, is an immediate upgrade defensively over you know what you have in your reserve unit on the wings. Um, he's not going to start. Um, Dorian's become way too critical and one of the most reliable shooters, which is crazy to say. Um, on the team, and he's he's got to start. Tim Hardaway Jr.'s got to start. Um, but he could replace Justin Jackson in the second unit, and, you know, that's – his defense would be a major, major asset. Yeah. I You know, as, as goofy as his shot looks, um, he can still get to the rim. He can still finish at the rim. Um, he's, a good, he's a good cutter to the basket, so, you know, you could – you know, give you something there, but mainly you get him for the defense and the upgrade he brings you on defense. Yeah. So hopefully that works out. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I, I've been everybody that listens to this, everybody that follows me online. I mean, you guys know how, how big of a supporter of Justin Jackson I've been all season at the beginning of the season. I mean, we, there were a ton of people that thought he could potentially be the fifth starter, uh, for the Mavs. And, he played really including us. Yeah, yeah, he he played really really well uh through November and then once December hit, I mean, it's just gotten it's just been a snowball effect. I don't know what happened. Um I mean I I hope he's able to get out of it because I mean if it if it keeps on going the way it has been, it, it just, things just don't look good. And I hate to say that. I hate to uh, you know, I'm not going to put a for sale sign on the island or anything right now, but, I mean, <laughs> I'm not necessarily on it right now either. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. Well, uh, it's it's frustrating, and uh, I like Justin Jackson. Um, I do, too. He's one of the nicest people ever. I, you know, I that's what I was uh, talking to you all about earlier. I, I was like, you know, has there ever been a nicer guy playing for the Mavs that seems to have stirred up, you know, so much anger in the fan base right now? <laughs> like, it's so weird. People are are frustrated and saying things, and it just, me reading it just makes me feel absolutely horrible because <laughs> he's just such a nice dude, but I well, don't know. I mean, people, people get irrational on the internet. Um, Twitter's a toxic place and it's it's a place where people can pretty much say whatever they want to and get away with it. Yeah. So here's um, here's what I'll say. Here they take I'm on I'm gonna end on this as far as, you know, talking about Justin Jackson. The reason 
you don't give up on younger players is exa- is is kind of what we're seeing with Dorian Finney-Smith right now because you know irrational angry twitter that wanted Dorian Finney-Smith cut the last couple of years are probably some of his biggest fans right now <laughs> you know what i mean there are a lot of I people- was I was most definitely one of those people. <laughs> there were a lot of people that, you know, got frustrated with Finney Smith, and now he's turned himself in, like, to what you said, one of the more reliable uh, three-point shooters on the Mavs. He, he gives endless hustle, a lot of tip-back uh, tip dunks. What am I trying to say? He, he's just critical to everything yeah, they he, do. Yeah, he's a key piece to this team, heart and soul. I mean – that that's one of the things because I mean it, this has been a process. It didn't happen overnight, but it finally clicked, and now that it has, it's just like wow, you know he's a really good player, and they've got him for you know making four million a year over the next three years. So <clears throat> that's the only thing I'm going to point to and just be like, look, even if Jackson doesn't play the rest of this year, even if you're you know frustrated, you know don't completely give up yet because uh, as we've seen things can change but um speaking about michael kid gilchrist he's he's a good defender i mean he can defend the perimeter uh he's big enough to where he could defend some fours uh his offense from what i've watched of him you know he's a really good screener uh he can finish at the rim but it's just, as you know, what we've, <laughs> what everybody has been talking about since that report came out on him uh, and Dallas being linked is that shot. Uh, <laughs> because it's, it's, I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. MKG's got the ugliest shot in all of basketball. There's, okay. There's really so, no comparison. <laughs> this, I told you this before we got on. I just think it's hilarious. So I hadn't watched any of his highlights. So when I got back home, um, before we got on, I started to um, look up some highlights. So I opened YouTube, and I just typed in Michael Kidd. I didn't even get to Gilchrist. I just typed in Michael Kidd. (laughs) And the first thing that came up was Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, jump shot. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, this isn't isn't a good start. And then, like, the first or second video that came up on YouTube was a video of the top 10 uh, goofiest looking jump shots of all time. And I was like, Oh yeah, he's probably like, you know, based on the pictures, he's probably like, you know, nine or eight or, you know, something like that. He was number one in NBA history, but from according to NBA TV with the goofiest jump shot in NBA history ahead of Sean Marion and Bill Cartwright and Joe Kim Noah and like all these other goofy ass jump shots, and then I and then I finally saw him shoot because I, wa- I I watched a five minute long highlight tape, and I saw him take two jump shots in that entire thing. Everything else was layups and defensive plays. Yeah, and it's a go- it's a goofy looking jump shot. Yeah, well, but if they can get Dorian to shoot, and if they can get Alfaro Camino to shoot, and they can turn. You know, help turn Seth Curry from a journeyman like he was in Sacramento to what he is now. 
maybe there's still something they can do there. Well, if not, and, I, and I mean it's weird they, because if you look at if you look at Kid Gilchrist's uh, stats like over the past you know four, five, six years, it, it's really weird because there's been some seasons where he hasn't been completely healthy. The ones where he he was healthy, especially starting out in his career, he didn't take a lot of threes. Um, I mean, possibly <laughs> probably because the coach threatened to fine him or, or something if <laughs> if he had to see to see that shot motion. I don't know, uh, but I'm, not just looking at the percentages by year, but if you if you go to the totals, you know, his first year he only attempted nine threes. Second year he only attempted nine. Uh, attempted none in his third season. Uh, it was single digits all the way up until last season where he attempted 47 of them, and he, he shot uh, 34%. So, and, I'm, and he's only attempted 17 this year because he's only played 12 games, and he's almost at 30%. So I look at that, and I'm like, okay, so he, he shot the most he's ever shot last season, and he was at 34%. I mean that's that's not bad. That's a whole lot better than what Dorian Finney-Smith was when <laughs> when he started out with the Mavs, and they started yeah. they started working with him. So all I'm saying I'm not saying that he's gonna he's gonna come out here and become a forty point three point shooter like like Dorian. All I'm saying is the Mavs can help him, and they'll put him in a position to succeed. And as long as he brings the defensive intensity they'll have a place for him in the rotation. And I think it could be a positive for him. So, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think there's more potential there than what, what a lot of other people who just, you know, want to post that picture of his ugly shot form uh, want to believe. So, that, that, that's my well, thoughts on get Kid Gilchrist. I saw – I mean, obviously I'm more intrigued about his defense. Um, Absolutely. I saw a, a tweet from Eustachio Rowley. I don't know who that is, but um, Reese Conkle retweeted it. And it's um, his adjusted defensive real plus minus is actually really impressive. So from 2013, 2013 to 2015, it was plus 4.17. Nice. And then from 2017 to this year, it's it was plus uh, 4.57. So he's a really good defender. Yeah. And that alone is going to bring value to their second unit. I don't care if he doesn't shoot a basket. You know? Yeah. Draymond Green can't shoot a lick, and people leave him open all the time. He still has an impact in other places. Yeah. And, and he Dor- can and, and he can still make a three every now and then. You know? and. Right, and Kid Gilchrist plays with the same kind of energy as Dorian. So if he's just running around, rebounding, making defensive plays, bothering passing lanes, like that's a huge asset. Yeah, we just the Mavs need a bunch of guys that can that are like Dorian in that they're active and they're alert and they're always you know giving full effort on the defensive end. Even if you're not the greatest defender, if you if you just give the effort, you know, there's a huge difference. You can tell. Like, in that Wizards game, I don't know if – did you watch the whole game? Well, I wrote about it, so I better have. Okay, well, you know, sometimes you <laughs> – sometimes right? you can get into a, a sticky situation <laughs> with that stuff. But anyway, so, yeah, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but – 
you could just kind of tell that there were a lot of times they were just out of it, you know? Uh, I don't know what the reason for that is, but, I mean, that's just that's just how it was. And uh, MKG, he stays, you know, engaged like, like Finney Smith does, and he's an effort and energy guy, and I think that'll really help them. And... You know, not just not just about the shot, uh, his shot, you know, specifically, but just reclamation projects overall over the years. The Mavs have had had success with guys like this. You know, they uh, they haven't really been able to. Uh, what am I trying to say? They haven't really performed the way they people thought they would uh, coming into the league, and then the Mavs take these guys and. They use them the way they need to be used and, you know, give them confidence and work with them, and then they turn into something. You know, it's like my my comparison earlier was Al Farouk Aminu because before he came to the Mavs, it was his shot wasn't as bad as Kid Gilchrist, but it was still pretty bad. Like, he just he couldn't shoot. And he only shot... I want to say he only shot like 28, 29% from three that one year in Dallas. But towards the end of the year, he got up into like the mid-30s. And <clears throat> in in that playoff series against the Rockets, he played excellent defense against, the, against uh, James Harden, and he hit seven of his 11 threes in that series. So he was really good. Uh, that was kind of the moment where – he made his money, <laughs> and then he went to Portland and shot like above 35% from three the next three years, I believe. So it, that that's probably my most hopeful uh, comparison for MKG. I hope they can do the same for him that they did for uh, Al Farouk Aminu. Yeah, um, I would love to well, would have loved to have gotten Al Farouk back, but... Um... You know, if, if even if they can get seventy five percent of that, it'll be an upgrade. So, and if, you know, we'll see. There's 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 other people out there too who, you know, if they want to try and have another reclamation project, they could try to go that route as well. I mean, there's you know, there's people on the roster who are just sitting on the end of the bench on minimum contracts. So, yeah, like I mean. Would it be the worst thing in the world to take a vet minimum contract on Dragon Bender? I mean, he's still—he's been in the league for like seventeen years, and he's still twenty-two years old. <laughs> yeah, I saw—I <laughs> like, saw you mention that earlier, and I was like, "There is no way that guy's still twenty-two years old." He was twenty. Yeah, and, he was twenty-two years old four years ago. It seems like like he can shoot threes. So like, why not at least? temporarily <laughs> sign him to like a even like a you know just whatever contract and see what he has and if it doesn't work out cut him yeah i don't know uh, but i mean look we'll we'll find out here soon enough depending on how this buyout market stuff goes i i think it's i think it's really interesting that all this you know mkg stuff they're finalizing the buyout now and the Mavs just so happened to be playing in Charlotte tonight. <laughs> so, you know, the MKG, he could potentially, well, I guess you still have to wait out the uh, 
I think it's like a two the or waiver three. period. Yeah, yeah, waiver it's period. It's until um, four <laughs> o'clock our time tomorrow. Four o'clock guess, Central time. I guess if they had like a handshake agreement, he could get on the plane and <laughs> get back to Dallas with. Well, I mean, they waived him, so he can do what he wants. If they invite him on the plane, it's it's not like you can be like, oh no, sorry, like I'm I'm not allowed. Like he doesn't play for Charlotte yeah. anymore. Well, I mean, if so. he knows if he knows he's coming to the Mavs anyway, he might as well. But anyway, I'm sure they'll have a lot of time, you know, after the game tonight to talk about all that stuff but that's another thing too you know they they play the the charlotte hornets tonight and the last time the mavs played the hornets which was the first time this season they only play two times a year that was that game where they went into overtime it should not have gone into overtime but mavs did that annoying thing where they give up a a late lead and it went into ot and they lost by three uh 123 to 120 and that was when Luca had like uh, it was almost 40 points in that game too. So this is the rematch. It's at Charlotte. Uh, Porzingis is not playing for injury management. Uh, so I don't know what to expect. I kind of expect them after how that Washington game ended. I feel like these other guys are gonna play with like a chip on their shoulder and. I think they'll end up winning this game tonight. The last time they played a game without uh, both Porzingis and Luka, they, you know, walloped the Hawks at home. Uh, so I, I kind of feel like that's probably what's going to happen tonight. Also, uh, the Mavs have lost two straight games now, and they haven't lost three straight all season long. So it seems like after a couple of losses, they, they finally – you know, play with enough urgency and fire and anger, whatever you want to call it, to where they keep from from losing that many in a row. So all I can say is they better get this one because the next one is Monday at home against the Utah Jazz. So <laughs> I'd uh, I'd much rather have KP for that one. Yeah, um, that's the thing. You can you can beat the Hornets without Luca and KP. <laughs> sure. It's just I I think I don't really I don't really care about tonight's game. They better win or we're gonna start having a whole other conversation. But um, the thing that's frustrating to me is that you know there's there's a a good history so far this season of losses to teams like this. Yeah, and it's really people act like it's not a big deal, and it's like you know we were right to kind of freak out about the Knicks losses earlier in the year. We were we were right to kind of freak out about the the Charlotte loss earlier in the year because they have six losses now. I tweeted this earlier. They have six losses now to teams with a combined record of like 65 and 191. Let me look up the actual number. Yikes. And it's it's I mean that that's the kind of thing that that screws up your playoff position. Yeah. So, okay, here here it is. Six of the Mavs' 21 losses are to the Wizards, Hornets, Kings, Suns, and Knicks twice. Those teams have a combined record of 91 and 165, and all of those teams have at least 31 losses. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, so those are games you need to win. If they just win those six games, like they can have all the other losses. If they have those, if they win those six games. This season has they have this Mavs thirty seven wins has been fun, but it's so weird too. I mean, it's like 
they've been so good on the road, but so mediocre at home, and you just don't see that a lot. I mean, <laughs> usually if a team's mediocre at home, they're like terrible on the road, and they're a lottery team. But it's just it's been the complete opposite this year. It's so weird. Dalton, what? If they win those six games, they're number two in the West right now. I know, <laughs> but for whatever reason, you know, they just can't. And I mean, it's like you can't put somebody got on me last night and was like. You know, you can't say it's all about the versus Mavs All-Stars. I mean, yeah, I know that. The team, <laughs> overall, it's not just one player. The team has to play better defense. But it also plays a factor, too. You know, the the Wizards had just traded for Shabazz Napier. And as soon as they said that Napier was going to make his debut against the Mavs, I was like, yep, he's going to be that guy tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and what did he do, Matt? 29% three-point shooter on the season. Shabazz Napier came out and nailed four of six threes. Fresh off the plane. <laughs> like, you just, you can't write that stuff. And it, it seems to happen to the Mavs a lot when they're playing these uh, teams that they should definitely be beating soundly. So, I mean, there's, there's just nothing you can really do about that sometimes. No, but, like... That's 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 all I'm saying is like, when I when I bitch about them losing to teams like this, that's why I bitch about it, because it makes a huge difference. It's it does. you go from being seventh in the West to being second in the West. Yeah. Even if you go even if you go three and three in those six games, you're in fourth right now. Yeah. Well, look, they they got three more games until there's 30 games left in the season. You know, starting with this one tonight against Charlotte. And then they play the Utah Jazz at home on Monday. And then they play the Kings at home on Wednesday. And then they're off for nine days. So they'll have a lot of time to to rest and, you know, get ready for the the second half of the season. And look, a well-rested Mavs team coming out of the All-Star break plays at Orlando – at Atlanta, and then at home against the Timberwolves. So, I mean, they and then you got, you know, a struggling San Antonio team after that. So that's four very winnable games coming out of the All-Star break after you're fully rested. So they'll have a chance to make up some ground and, and you know, get back into that, I'm going to say, you know, four or five seed range. We'll just have to see how it goes. Um, well, they're only a couple of games back. Yeah, of uh, they're a lot. The clo- they're a lot closer to the top half of the Western Conference standings than they are to you know Portland in that ninth spot. Uh, I know right. a lot of people are freaking out, thinking that you know <laughs> the Mavs might miss the playoffs. I really, I really don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm not going to jinx it. I'm just saying, just looking at it. I think they're going to be able to win enough games to get into the playoffs fairly easily at this point. But I don't know. I'm hoping they get at least two of these next three starting in Charlotte tonight. Uh, Given that Utah is very good 
and they're playing at American Airlines Center. In my mind, I'm kind of chalking that one up to a loss, even though that could be the game where Luka returns. Um, and then hopefully they can get a win against the Kings, who got a close win the last time they were in Dallas. And so if they do that, I'll be feeling pretty good uh, going into the, the All-Star break. So anyway, that that's going to... We'll kind of close that there and go into our break here, but uh, stay with us on the other side. We've got our podcast mailbag, so some of you guys sent us questions, and we're going to answer them on the other side, so stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, Again, we're going to read some of your questions from our uh, Math Step Back podcast mailbag. And the first one is from M.M. Uh, he sent, basically it was a long question, but from what we could take away from it, he's concerned about how uh, Luca and KP aren't or haven't been able to play at a high level with each other on the court. You know, KP, he's had some really impressive games without Luca. Uh, Luca, he seems, I mean, he doesn't have any trouble you know, doing his thing with KP, it just seems like KP gets a little, uh, what's the word, overshadowed, I guess, when Luke is playing. So, Matt, what do you think? What do you think the issue is with uh, those two not being able to play well together? Is it just continuity? Uh, you know, the injuries, how big of a factor has that played into it? I mean, what, what do you think? Well, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they haven't really played a lot of games together this year. So their continuity together is going to be a little off. They're still learning how to play together. KP's used to being the number one option. And when Luke has been out, he's kind of been in a more comfortable role for himself being the number one option. Um, you know, Luca's just Luca. I think he can, he's going to play well no matter who's on the floor with him, really. But I'm not concerned about it. I just think it needs time and game reps and then being on the floor together for a long period of time. Um, they've been, I mean, I think, I can't remember what the exact number of games was, but, you know, I think it was either Kirk or Josh Bow um, sent us a tweet that said uh, Luca and KP have only played eight games together since Luca's first ankle injury against yeah. the Heat. <laughs> so it's like, I just, I just, they just need to play more together. And I think everything will iron itself out and it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm I'm not concerned with it at all. If anything, you know, even when they are playing together, if if stuff if they still aren't able to figure it out, I think maybe Carlisle will look into staggering their minutes a little bit more. Um, you see it with teams like the Lakers and uh, the Clippers when they're playing both of their stars. You know, a lot of these teams they'll they have one of those guys out on the court at all times. It seems. And I, I kind of feel like that's what they need to do with with Luca and KP. You know, uh, when you take Luca out, run KP for about, you know, four or five minutes after that. Let him be the focus of the offense. And right. I think that would really, you know, help KP stay in his his groove. And then when Luca comes back in, he can do his thing. So, uh, yeah, the only thing I would say to that is I, I think it's a great idea. 
but you also need to be able to make sure that they're playing well together because you want both of those guys in the game the last five to seven minutes. So you need to, you need to get that part of it figured out either way, but I, I do agree that maybe staggering them a little bit would help at least, you know, right now yeah. to help, you know, kind of ease the transition into that. Yes. Uh, moving on to our next question here. This one's from uh, a profile. He named it Shuby. Uh, so this is Shuby's question here. Uh, said, would you agree that the Mavs playing small ball multiplies the good things about the team but the deficiencies as well? Yes. Uh, I mean, we've, we've seen that already with what the Rockets have been doing uh, here these last few games. They have <laughs> – they, they traded Clint Capella – and they moved P.J. Tucker uh, to center. And, you know, when you're making your threes, that style looks amazing. You know, they beat the Lakers the other night uh, pretty convincingly. And, you know, they had a, uh, the Lakers have Anthony Davis in the paint. You know, he can do whatever he wants to against that lineup. So that didn't matter because the Rockets were hitting threes. But then, you know, the other night, they got blown out by 30 against the Phoenix Suns. So <laughs> it's kind of it's give and take a little bit. Yeah, when, when you're hitting, it's great, but when you're not hitting, it's, it, it's pretty bad. And that's kind of how the Mike D'Antoni Phoenix Suns era was. You know, they played extremely small, and uh, they were good. They put up a ton of points. They were fast, but then, you know, it got to a certain point in the playoffs, and it just shut down. So, I mean, it's it's nothing we haven't seen before. Yeah, and I, I think there's kind of a misconception about it um, because, I mean, those Mike D'Antoni teams never do anything in the playoffs. Houston, Phoenix, either one, doesn't matter because it all works well and fine during the regular season when teams aren't playing playoff energy level basketball. I mean, let's just be honest. They're not always doing that because yeah. – it's 82 game season. It's not the playoffs. You're, there's gonna they're gonna take it to the next level in the playoffs. The game and slows down. When that down. happens, right? Because when the game happens, teams start playing tighter defensively. They start wearing you out a little bit more, and then it becomes harder to make those threes. And I like the idea of shooting threes all the time. Like I mean, that's what the Mavs do. I like it. It's fun to watch. But you have to have some other avenues in which you can do stuff, or you know. KP who can do just a little bit of everything and having players on your roster who can do a little bit of everything but with size I think is the better way to do it rather than going small and just shooting everywhere yeah so well and it look we're I don't have anything else to say on that so we'll just move on to this next question here but I do agree with everything you just said uh this one is from uh Blake Weir and it says hello below are <laughs> I can't <laughs> can't even read this without laughing because I know he's... Okay, it says, Hello. Below are questions that I came up with completely on my own. What take do you regret the most? Which are you clinging to despite evidence? And <laughs> obviously that's uh, that's something that uh, Kirk Henderson replied to. We, you know, we sent out this, this mailbag link and told everybody to... Uh, you know, create a, an account on the Mavs SI website, which is free, by the way. You should definitely do that since we don't have a paywall. Uh, 
But Kirk decided he didn't want to do that, and he was just going to reply on Twitter. So this is how we... Yeah, because Kirk's lazy. Yeah, so this is how we got this question in here. Well, anyway, uh, I guess I'll go first. Uh, I definitely... I definitely have to go with the the Jax take that I had. I really thought he was going to take a huge step forward this year. Uh, it was looking, like I said earlier, it was looking pretty good uh, through November. At one point, he was shooting like 42 or 43% from three. Um, but like I said, it's just, <laughs> it's just completely bottomed out since then. And it's not looking too good. So I guess that's probably the one that uh, that I regret the most because I, I well, I, hey, let me say this. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to change this up. I'm going to change this up after I just said that I regret that take, but I'm not completely giving up on it yet because we've seen what happens with guys like Dorian Finney-Smith with the Mavs when they don't give up on players and they keep, you know, working with them. The one that I regret the absolute most, Matt, is when I presented that Blake Griffin trade scenario earlier in the, mm. <laughs> earlier in the season. You know, when Blake uh, Blake Griffin, he had only played like two games at that point. So I definitely jumped the gun there, and oh gosh, do I regret that. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that was... That's probably my worst take I've, I've ever had. So that, that, that's where I'm at on that. What, what's yours? Um, well, the one I regret the most, I think, um, is probably that, well, yeah, I guess, so the one I regret the most is probably, um, back when the Mavericks signed Harrison Barnes for the first, you know, when, when they signed with that big max deal or whatever it was, um, I said that he could be the third piece on a championship team. That's not true. That's one of the worst I've ever had. Um, I also, um, I also thought Josh Jackson was going to be the best player in his draft, which (laughs) that wasn't true. And I also thought Dennis Smith Jr. was going to be the best point guard in that in that draft class. So that was just a bad year for me. Um, so probably one of those is my biggest regret. Um, I have two that I'm clinging to despite evidence. And actually, one of them is not even despite evidence. It's evidence in my favor, so I won't <laughs> mention it. The one the tape that I'm clinging the tape that I'm clinging to despite evidence is I still think Draymond Green is the most overrated player in basketball and he gets paid way too much money and that he is absolute hot trash. That, I'm, I'm not even going to say anything about that because I know you feel very strongly about, about Draymond Green. Uh, yeah, and I will never back down from that. Despite whatever evidence you show me about playoff games and defensive BPMD Quattro, whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> that's my. That's. I'm never. I'm never well. gonna give that one up. The other one I was gonna say was my um, my affection for Goran Dragic and how I think that the Mavs would be second place in the West if um, if he was still uh, or if, they, if that trade had gone through. 
Um, but that's just yeah. like basically a fact. So whatever. Well, I, I definitely think they would have been better if if they had you know if they had found a way to do that. That looking back, if the Mavs front office would have known how well he was going to be playing this season, they would have absolutely pulled the trigger on that. that that's one of the the bigger mistakes of the off season, but you know he's an unrestricted free agent this summer. Uh, you know we'll see. I mean, <laughs> any anything can happen. Yeah, but this also could have been his last. This also could have been his last best. Yeah. Well. Year. So we're gonna move on to this one now. Uh, this is the last one, Matt, and then we're gonna close this thing up. This is from Weberly. Weberly. Yeah. Weberly. <laughs> He says, got to improve and build, got to take advantage of the huge trade. Wait, what? Okay, trade exception. What, okay, yeah, I got to take advantage of the huge trade, trade exception and not waste it. Uh, well, the trade deadline is over. And well, we can't. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't have time to get sorry, to this one. Sorry, Weberly. Um, <laughs> the, tra- <laughs> the trade exception <laughs> It, okay, we can still kind of answer it, nope, though. We can still kind of answer it. has gone. <laughs> no, but, like, what's the most realistic, um, like, what trade at the deadline could they have made well, that would have helped the, the most? how big was the trade exception? Like, 12 million? I think it was, like, 11.8. I think it was, like, 11.8, 12 million, somewhere in there. I think it would I think the most uh, improved now trade would have been Bogdan Bogdanovich. <sighs> Just yeah, because of everything but, I mean, that he, he does. He said realistic in there, too. And, I mean, it's already rare enough that you see trade exceptions that big get used. Uh, I just I can't see a player of Bogdanovich's, you know, status being, being used with a trade exception. Hey, I'm just out of here <laughs> trying to answer Weberly's question because we got to I mean, it I'm late, trying, okay? To, let's, so. let's say another team. Okay, here's my real... I don't. I have to look at contracts and see, but you know, I, how much money did Evan Turner make? Because that would kind of. I feel like that would kind of be the move you'd be looking at. Actually, you know, the, the answer really, if we're being honest, is like is probably Alec Burks or Glenn Robinson the third or yeah. both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you could have um, you could have sent a pick back too. So. Yeah. But Evan Turner, you know, <laughs> he's he's kind of he kind of would have been like um, not even poor man's Luca, but like um, like Depression era poor man's Luca. <laughs> <laughs> oh, weird. but you know, it would have been nice to have it. It would have been nice to have another guy like him off of the bench. But I, you know, I think that I mean he was. Um, let's see, he signed a four-year, seventy million dollar contract, and no, so we couldn't. They couldn't have even gotten him. <laughs> he's due seventeen and a half million. No, Good just, lord, yeah, that was a horrible contract. I For Evan Turner, I just I love how the comments on this mailbag. You know, I thought I was reading from from earliest earliest comment to latest comment but it's, it's got it to where the newest ones are at the top so i was just reading all the way down <laughs> by the time we got to to weberly it was uh it was about that trade exception so <laughs> sorry about that man <laughs> well we apologize weberly 
But in the future, if anybody ever wants, we're going to do this every week. Or not every week, but we're yes. going to do it very frequently. So when we post it, if you want your question read, or if you have a question, please create a free account on on the website, mavssi.com. And it is 100% free. There's no paywall. There will be in the future yes. from what I've been hearing, so you might as well get in and do can. it now. It's free. Go make an account. Talk um, with us on there. Yell at us if you don't like something we write. You know, stuff like that. You, you can interact with us. You can talk shit to us. You can agree with us. You can start conversations of your own. The boards are not what they used to be with 24-7, but they're much improved from what they were when we first switched over to the Maven platform. They've yes. completely redesigned everything. So it's a good place to have a Mavs conversation, and we will read your questions very frequently. Yes. We're going to be doing this a help lot. You. you know, you sign up. We have more users right. on the site, and you've already got your foot in the door. So when it does eventually, um, you know, become something that people pay for, hey, you've already got your account and everything. You're you're good to go. So uh, <clears throat> also, guys, like we've been preaching this a lot lately but definitely go sign up for our youtube page uh, subscribe to it uh as soon as we get to that that thousand uh, subscriber mark we're gonna give out a couple of tickets to the home game of your choice uh to a lucky winner so be sure to do that uh, matt I, I love how every week i keep saying i need to put this at the beginning of the pod and i never remember to do it <laughs> so I mean, I, I well, don't know if it helped know. a lot or not, but definitely you guys go do that. Uh, like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. And follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Dalton underscore Trig on Twitter. Matt's at Matt Galatson. But anyway, guys, hope you guys enjoyed the uh, the Mavs-Hornets game, even though Luka and KP's not playing and these next few games before the, the All-Star break. And then we get to watch Luka... Um, you know, play with his idol, LeBron James, and all that good stuff. So um, we'll see you next week. Appreciate y'all coming in and listening every time you get the opportunity. We'll see ya. Feeling like pop, I'm about to shake up the spot. I got the stew on the lock, yeah. Never really cared about your opinions. That is why I can't be stopped, yeah. Rappers in the booth know they be faking. I'm in the game, so I might get a flavor. Can't be with y'all, man, I swear y'all too basic. Don't shock the world, man, I swear I'm a tailor. Feelings on my back, swear I'm in my bag. Stuck up in my pants, man, I hate the rap. Man, we let a brag. I don't do no talking, I don't like the chat. Put me to the bag. Got me some boy, man, they smoke like a chimney. Come from a place where they sound like they witness. I'm in the booth and I spit like I'm sickly. Kill me a beat to produce a witness. Up in my city, the scene to get wicked. I don't feel saying the devil won't get me. Talk to the choir, but I know they don't listen. World too cold, but I stand your feelings. Don't worry about me, go and handle your business. Love by the streets, but I'm hated by Christians. Walk in the church and I feel all the tension. Hard as hell, marriage, I am, but written on God. Fighting Lord God, why I'm stuck in the facade. Enemies wanna see me on my face and rot. Going hard, I'ma give it everything I got. I'ma be isolated, sitting at the top. Feel like JFK, I don't wanna drop my top. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.